Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it may be for you guys. How's it going, Everton fans? This is School of Science Radio. I'm Gino Ganello, joined this week, as always now, <laughs> as it seems to be, by Calvin. Uh, Calvin, how are you doing today? Hey, Gino. Hey, everyone. I'm doing pretty good uh, under the circumstances, I guess, with, with some of the results we've been having. But, yeah, well, another game, another opportunity to get better, right? Yes, uh, I guess that's the optimistic look at it. Uh, not many of us having that, that optimistic view, I don't think. But uh, we will get into that. We are going to talk about the, the fans, the 27th-minute protest, all those things surrounding this team right now, the problems, the issues, who's at fault. We're going to get into all of that. We're going to talk about Arsenal, but we have to break down the Liverpool match. Uh, it is my apologies that we did not preview the Liverpool match because I forgot we had a midweek match last week. So um, we did not preview this, but I think by the way things went and the way things have been going, it went basically as all of us would have ex- expected it to. Um, Rafa starts uh, starts the match in a 4-4-2 of sorts, I guess it was, um, if, if I'm not correct, or if I'm correct, um, the lineup was uh, Coleman, Godfrey, Keane, Dean across the back, obviously Pickford and goal. Um, Townsend, Ducore, Allen, and Gray um, in the middle. And then Richarlison and Rondon up top against Liverpool's 4-3-3. Let's start right there. I know you had a problem with this. I know a lot of people had a problem with this. (laughs) Rafa starts two in the midfield. It is something that has worked for Everton, but against a team like Liverpool, what's the problem there? Okay, so uh, again, uh, like you said, the key there is a team like Liverpool, right? So Liverpool have played with a 4-3-3 for, for some time now, right? They're drilled in the system. They, you know, everyone knows their roles really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say the Liverpool midfield trio is probably as good as or better than pretty much anyone in world football right now, I almost, you know, I'd wager. Um, so... You know, going just by that, just by reputation, it's it, it's already a troublesome thing that Rafa thought just because Dokure is back and probably a little more match fit than he was against Brentford, that Alan and, and, and Dokure could do enough of a job with, you know, sort of uh, supporting that midfield against the trio from Liverpool. I think where things get worse and, you know, the more you think about it, the more, the worse Rafa looks is, uh, we, when we went up against Brentford, right, just over the weekend, we did the same thing. It was more of a 4-4-1-1 with the Richarlison out. So it was Iwobi kind of behind Rondon. But, you know, the, even Brentford's midfield, and Brentford went up with the 3-5-2, and they were basically just controlling the entire middle of the park, right? So already we know we've got an issue here. And so not only is there a talent gap now against Liverpool, now there's a, a personnel gap. Um, uh-huh. To make things a lot worse, right? Yeah. Arsenal had just played Liverpool a couple of weeks ago, right? Arsenal, same thing. They went with a 4-4-2. They were overwhelmed right through the middle, right? All the same issues we saw in the Everton game, they had already done against Arsenal. So even if Rafa knew nothing about Liverpool and all he did was watch tape from that game, the Arsenal versus Liverpool game, he would have immediately seen the issues that were created by that. And then um, Klopp actually went with the Diogo Jota, who is in form right now, as their sort of false nine. And one of the first things we saw him do was he started falling deeper, right? 
So that allowed, now you have Mane and you have Salah on, one, in, on each of the wings. But with Jota sort of falling into the midfield, now you have this midfield diamond. And that, that you've got four against two, right? And so pretty much within the first few minutes, right, Everton could have actually been four or five goals down by the time we even hit the 20-minute mark, right? Um, and, and yet Rafa completely refused to change anything, refused. Uh, I think he just, con- he just continued to persist thinking things would work themselves out. And I, I guess to his credit, the second part of that first half, Everton did look a little better. Yeah. But, you know, at that point, like, the, you know, the horse has already bolted the stable, right? You're 2-0 down against Liverpool, right? It's just, you're, you're, not, you're not coming back from that one. So, I just, I, I, again, I think the squad selection, he kind of chose the hand that he had. But just going with Rondon and a 4-4-2 rather than um, some sort of, even if it's not a 4-3-3, but a 4-5-1 where you pack that midfield, uh, just, that, that just seems to be a big mistake here. Yeah, I mean, Rafa has, this has been kind of a thing that has happened, I think, all of the season, right? We've started with the 4-4-2 largely for the most part. Even at the beginning of the season, we started with the 4-4-2. Sometimes it's worked, sometimes it hasn't worked. And we made the switch to an Andre Gomez type player um, at around 60 minutes. And that that has kind of helped us take off in in multiple different, um, in multiple multiple different times. Yeah. you yeah, I mean the three midfielders. I mean it's it seems like something that we talk about very often, and even not just in the Roth era. It's been something that I feel like has like for some reason the midfield battle is obviously the most important battle. But I feel like we talk about it all the time with these Everton managers, and somehow we always lose <laughs> the midfield battle just by yep. numbers. Some for some reason, um, it's like they don't yeah. know what's coming, even though they know exactly what's coming. What's coming? Um, yeah, it's been a problem. Obviously, I think Gomez would be the the choice there for the third midfielder. My personal opinion, though, is um, we know that when there is a third midfielder, it allows Decore to kind of be more of the push forward and get forward and be more attacking. Why is Delph not playing would be my question. Delph should have been the player that would have been by Allen. It would have allowed them to have two defensive set set players there with Decore allowed to move a little bit more forward and create a little bit more moving, um, you know, in, in attack. That mm-hmm. is, the, I think, the big question as to why Delft didn't start. And, you know, listen, the 4-4-2 is something we haven't seen with Rondon. I, I don't think Rondon and, and Richarlison have played up top together yet. I think this was their first game. I think, so. I think they both were injured. or Richarlison was injured, and then when he came back, he, he sat alone up top as the striker. Yep. The other problem is it is very easy to – I mean, there's a couple problems. The, the big problem, and I think the, the biggest thing that in attack that we need to remember why we were winning games in the first three, four games or playing, competing in the first three, four games, and why things have been so bad recently. Um, and even just rewatching the goals, I think this is, and the highlights, I think this is pretty evident from the last game yeah. too. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, his holdup play is by far better than any other player we any of the other striker options we have right or that we've oh, seen yeah. Ron Don yeah. can't do it Richarlison no. is not good at it he's not strong enough no and I think that Rafa's system and largely is built around that hold-up play or at least from what we've seen I think a lot of it a, a lot of that plays into it and when you don't have someone mm-hmm. if you're going to kick the ball deep you need to have someone there who is going to retain that possession and be yep. allow your team to get forward 
And Dominic yeah. Calvert-Lewin's that guy, and that's why we were, I think, so successful in scoring goals in the first three, four matches. And since yeah. then, we have it look like that. And, and again, Rondon was brought in to be the like-for-like replacement, the guy that we, everybody thought was going to be like that. Has not yeah. been that. He, oh, we, no. I will admit, though, he did have a very good game. I thought he played pretty well in this match for the 60 yeah. minutes that he was able to play. Um, but when, when Dominic Calvert-Lewin's holding up the ball, and if you play that two-man midfield, right? You play that yeah. two-man midfield in a team, especially like Liverpool, who is always pushing forward. Their fullbacks are forward. Their midfielders are forward. They have tons of guys in attack. If you exactly. can have a guy who's holding up the ball there, Richarlison, the, the ball to Richarlison is automatically going to be a, – you're going to have a, a, an odd-son chance. To just, right, exactly. You're going to have Damari Gray flying down one ring. You're going to have – it's going to be a counterattack. Right. But the problem is there is no guy that, that can do that that <laughs> no. we've seen right now. Yeah. And I think that for some reason, Rafa has not recognized that and is trying – and, and granted, listen, he's – I will give him the, I guess, benefit of trying something new by putting Rondon and Richarlison up top. But it is pretty obvious. And I think for us to be sitting here and saying, why are you not doing this and sitting here Saturday or Wednesday morning – saying yeah. why is there two men in the midfield, it should be that obvious to him, which is, I think, the biggest gripe that a lot of people had with him in this match. Correct, correct. And, and, and so, again, Lena, since we we're talking about Rafa, right, let's talk about this, right? Because I, I think early on this season, we actually gave Rafa a lot of credit for showing some tactical flexibility, right? Yeah. For, for making halftime adjustments that we saw seem to work and everything seemed to play better in the second halves of games, especially yeah. when things were going well. So, yes, on one hand, I want to give him credit for some, trying something new, but at least new with the personnel that he had yeah, available. Exactly. But I, 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 I again, I, I don't get it. I don't get why he's being yeah. so stubborn, right? And, 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 and you know, just, 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 I think just for perspective, right? We're not the only one saying this, right? Yeah, yeah. There's very renowned football analysts who have played the game, who watched the game, who are asking the same questions, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Michael Cox, who wrote the book on zonal marking, right? He wrote a sort of whole piece in The Athletic about what what was Rafa thinking, right? You know, going two against four. And why not, why wouldn't he make an immediate change, right? Even if it wasn't pulling someone off, why wouldn't he have done something like you know, pull Townsend in. Maybe yeah. Richie goes out to the right wing. Gray stays out wide left, right? Yeah. And add that beef to the middle. We've been pulling Townsend into the middle for the yeah. last few games anyway, right? So again, just this, I, I don't know if Rafa is now getting paralyzed under the spotlight because of Everton's poor form going into this, but he's, he's not helping his own case. Um, no. And that's even before we get into the players, because the players clearly have an issue right now, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the other thing, too, is like, you know, we see often, we hear a lot about, oh, this is what they are in an attack, and this is what they are in defense. Really, the, the, the simple tactical change would have been, leave it as a 4-4-2 in attack with Townsend and Gray pushing forward, so you have four guys across that front line in attack. Right. And then just kind of, like, pivot it. So you're moving exactly. Townsend over into the middle. You bring Damari Gray up top yeah. for a little bit more pressure. You shift Richarlison out wide, and and that's how you do it in defense. It, it is it's a very simple change. Like it's very not yeah. not hard. So that is, I think, 
the biggest gripe. And, and granted, they, they, uh, we've mentioned it. The personnel is not there. We have been getting players yeah. back. Let's, let's be honest here. Do we think Damari Gray is fully healthy? Probably not. Do we think not, no. Abdullah Decore is, is fully healthy? Probably not. We know Allen picked up a knock a little bit. He's probably not 100%. But there right. are – but listen, that's every team in the league. So Exactly. Have yeah. Players that aren't 100%, are they maybe more than more non-100% than um, some other players? Maybe. But either way, the lineup was wrong. That's what we need. We need to make sure that yeah. I've said, listen, we'll get in the whole, how I feel about the situation with the club <laughs> in the second segment, but the lineup was wrong. Um, yeah. And, and I think it showed the first goal is a Henderson strike. Uh, and as you yeah. mentioned, we could have been down. Pickford was phenomenal. I will say yeah, in this match. Was, Pickford yeah. was phenomenal. If it wasn't for him, it would have been six, seven, one, I think. Yeah. Um, Henderson strike left super wide open up top. I've seen a couple people say this. I didn't think of this right off the top, but I will use their comments. A third midfielder marks that player. So he probably went, he, mm-hmm. he was left completely wide open. I'm yeah. over here. I'm getting angry. Um, <laughs> left completely wide open um, up top there. And, you know, that's, <laughs> it's, I mean, it, listen, a great shot. Let's not take anything away from Jordan yeah. Henderson. You know, he may not be people we like. Liverpool, the Reds may not be people we enjoy, but was basically, and majority of this game, let's, let's also, I mean, I looked at the, before the last goal, I looked at the, or no, actually, I think with the last goal, I looked at the um, expected goal um, mm-hmm. stats. I mean, they were at around 2.5. We were at, at around 1.9. This, they put some shots in some unbelievable spots. Yeah. So the second goal specifically, Salah running down the sideline. He had to be inch perfect with that shot, and he was. Um, so, I mean, but again, as you mentioned, the lineup did not allow for the team to be successful in the first half. Exactly. Um, but they did find some, they did find some help. Um, Damari Gray gets a goal on a pass from Richie. Um, yep. That's the type of play we're used to seeing from Dominic Calvert-Lewin passing to Richie, running up the middle. Um, right. Exactly. But was there, I mean, I don't know. I kind of felt a little hope at the end of the first half. How were you feeling at the end of the first half? I, I was honestly surprised. I, I was honestly surprised that after that really poor start um, that Everton was sort of, I, I, I want to say they were clawing their way back into the game. Um, and, you, you know, I, I think part of that was Liverpool, I think, kind of stepped off the gas because they were so surprised how easy it was going. Right. And mm-hmm. <laughs> again, I, I, I will say, I think our goal kind of came against the runoff play. I think we were playing a little better. We were looking a lot more organized, which was good. Yeah. Um, again, why we can't start games looking that organized beats me. I <laughs> think that's the manager's job. Right. But, you know, uh, I, just, just, I just want to bring up something else that, that's been talked about quite a bit uh, this week on Twitter. Right. Um, so the. <laughs> Ralph Ragnick, who's now taken over at Manchester United, right? He's, he's yeah. gotten pretty famous for this one quote uh, that yes. he likes to use, right? Yes. And, 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 and I'm going to quote verbatim, right? It's, what is a little bit of pressing? A little bit of pressing is like a little bit of pregnant. I mean, you're either pregnant or you're not, right? So you're either pressing or you're not. And so none of this little bit of pressing, all right? And, and this is exactly what Everton were doing, right? Um, I'll credit Michael on Twitter, who uh, goes by the hand of Greenall EFC, right? Um, I love his tactical mind. I, I make sure I read what he says before and after most of our games. And he actually has a great clip from the game 
where Everton are pressing forward, but doing this little bit of pressing. And all Liverpool need to do is two quick diagonal passes, and they're wide open on the right. Dinya is exposed, and Alan is in the opposing half. What? What are we doing? Right? Yeah. So, we, so we're either full court pressing on this thing, or we're sitting back in two banks of four, or a bank of four and five, and just give them the half. Don't yeah. half and half this, and now we're wide open. And that's exactly how the game started, and that's exactly how the game flow went in the first 20, 25 minutes. It's, yeah. it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> what, what would you, if you had to choose between the two, how would you have attacked Liverpool? So, would you have gone for the pressing or gone for more of the sit back and then counter? I think the template was set up. So personnel-wise, I don't think we can press, right? I, I don't think we have that team, right? Not right now, at least. Not right now. Not right now, at least. Exactly. So the way to do it was exactly how Carlo Ancelotti played last, last season when we went to Anfield, right? We went with a five-man back line. Coleman pushed up and put a lot of pressure on Robertson, right? And pretty much kept Robertson quiet the entire game. Now, understandably... Yeah. Mina was out, so you know, playing a five-man backline was a little difficult. But again, going with a four-five-one and going with Richarlison as the one with Richarlison's mobility, yeah. I think that was the way to approach this. So pack the midfield, start Delph, let Delph sit right in front of the two center backs, and then let Alan and Dokure do what they do best, which is go hunt the ball in the middle, yeah. right? Give him support from the wings. We've got Gray and Townsend on one side. Or if Townsend's not up to it, put Gordon on, right? He's got the legs for it. So this, this, I think there was a lot of ways to attack this. I think the template was set last season by Carlo when we went to Anfield and won 2-0. But it just, yeah, I, I, I don't understand what Rafa's doing. I, I, I'll be honest. And I'm, 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 I'm kind of surprised that he's not getting more questions about this uh, in his press conferences. I mean, it's the same media personalities who show up at these pressers asking the same patsy questions, and 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 this is just—it's not good enough. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, yes. Again, the tactics in this one were not—they weren't good. They were—they weren't right, at least for the first first half, and it showed. And like you said, like and like that quote said, you know, a little bit of pressing. There is no such thing as a little bit of pressing. It's it's right. you're either doing it or you're not. And I, I think we should have sat back as well. It's hard with Liverpool because they do invite so much pressure. And I think, again, I, I mean, I think a lot of our problems, especially setting up, rely on there, – there's no outlet right now if you sit back, right. which is a problem with sitting back. You don't have the Dominic Calvert-Lewin up top. And I don't think we realize how important he is to basically – most of the systems that we are capable of running um, right. because let's, let's be honest. We're not, we're not running a false nine. We're not, you know, Manchester city. We're not Liverpool. We don't have the ability to do that. We don't have the midfield right. to do that. We don't have the, the wingers, you know, it's just not going to happen. Just the player quality the, all over. Ex- yeah, exactly. But again, sitting back is great. If you have someone to get the ball to, because eventually if you sit back and you sit back and you sit deeper and deeper, you're going get, to yeah. give up a goal. <laughs> it, yeah. It's just, it's just plain and simple. So, I agree that that's how we should have went, but it's, a, it's, it's hard when we don't have players to do that. And, and we thought, again, we thought, we thought Rondon was going to be that guy. He hasn't been that guy. Again, he had a good yeah. game, but it could have been better. Um, could he, I mean, yeah. he, he's, he's no Dominic Calvert-Lewin. So that was a huge miss. Um, and then Everton looked to be applying some pressure. 60 minutes in, they were still doing pretty well. And then comes 
the Seamus mistake. Yeah. I mean, tell me your opinion on it first because I, I, I have an opinion on it and <laughs> I, I would like to hear yours first. <laughs> so, again, I think Liverpool are one of the best counter-attacking teams in the league. So every time we have a set piece in the opposing half, that needs to be something we're aware of. Um, why Seamus chose to do what he do, what he did, uh, especially with his experience, no one knows, right? I just, um, I, I did see an interesting viewpoint. This is a little outside of 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 the game itself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, talking about how Seamus should never have been put in this position to begin with because he shouldn't be playing as many games as he is because the club has failed in recruitment in replacing yeah. him. So, correct? Yes, on the bigger picture, absolutely. But th- that was a, a boneheaded error from Seamus and we got punished by a goal, which usually happens when you play against Liverpool. You can't make mistakes of that magnitude against them. Yeah. We got punished by a, a team that finishes um, impeccably. Yeah, I... I... My opinion on it is just boot the ball away, man. Right. He did the same thing with Keane earlier in the season. The same yep. thing happened. Just yep. boot the ball away. Why take a touch? There's no reason, especially against a team as quick and as, as good as Liverpool, to take that chance. Just right. boot the ball away. And, you know, it's not like he was on a yellow, so if he accidentally kicked whoever, it wouldn't have been a sure. – I don't think it would have been a red card. <laughs> I mean, the way the refereeing was going in that game, who knows? (laughs) But um, I don't think it would have been a red card. But just boot the ball away. There's there really is no excuse for that. I don't. I understand what people are saying about the recruitment, but that's a play that John Joe Kenny should be able to make. You know, maybe you know that's a play that any right back should be able to make. Just smart enough to realize because you know you're the last man in defense. You know there's nobody behind you. There's no reason to take that chance. So, and, and listen, all the credit to him for keeping up with Salah. I know Salah had the ball at his feet, so he is a little bit slower than he probably yeah. would have been. And still, Salah managed to, I mean, to have the ball at his feet to be going that fast and to find a, a hole is impressive in its own. Um, but, it, you know, just, just boot the ball away. That's my opinion on it. Just boot the ball away. It's really not, it's, that's what you have to do. And, and I feel like a lot of times, these players think in their heads and they're thinking of, oh, well, we want to play this way. We want to do this. Sometimes in a situation, you just mm-hmm. boot the ball away, you get back, and you try yeah. and, you know, you try and, you know, just go back at it. So, go and back. That was yeah, really, live to fight another day and exactly. yeah, all of that. Yeah. And that was really the nail in the coffin. Rondon went off injured yeah. before that. Um, yep. I think they took off Damari Gray after that to, for Gordon. Townsend comes off. Um, Jota comes in, or Jota doesn't come in. He was playing the whole game, but he, he, you know, gets a ball into his feet, turns, and again, inch perfect right over into the top left-hand corner. Not much space there, um, and still manages to find the back of the net uh, for the fourth goal. Um, and that is that. That's, That's all, all she wrote. wrote. Exactly. Yeah. That is all she wrote. Um, so, um, was there anybody, I mean, I know we mentioned Pickford. Was there anybody who particularly stood out to you in this one? Uh, was this really just an all-around bad for, bad, bad for performance by all? <sighs> Again, you know, I, I think apart from Coleman's, like, major error, right? I, I don't think there were too many major errors of that nature, right? 
we just got beaten by a better team that was much more organized. And mm-hmm. I think you've already mentioned this a couple of times. We were set up to fail. So yes. I, I find it hard to beat up on the players too much, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I think they were just put in a position where they were chasing shadows. And you know, speaking of chasing shadows, and, and here's Rafa in his post-match, or I think it was actually the pre-match press conference yesterday for the Arsenal game, where he goes uh, that Everton ran more than Liverpool. Well, yes, we ran more. We were chasing them all game long. So, I, you know, again, it's not a matter that the players are not putting in the effort. Uh, I think if that was the criticism, then that was an appropriate response to that. So yeah. that, that, that was not the criticism. The criticism was not that the players were, showing, were looking lifeless. Okay? I, I think quite a few of them really did try. But yeah. again, when, 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 when players like Alan, and, and if your game plan is banking on players like Alan, going all the way to the other box and coming back and guarding his own box, then we are doomed to fail because that's not the player he is anymore. So, yeah. <laughs> I just, I, I got nothing on Rafa, man. I, I just, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, the whole running thing, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I, from what I understand, listen, I mean, yes, soccer is a running sport, but if, you're not running, I think, is when you're doing your job. Like, if you're a forward or defender, you're not really supposed to be running a ton. Like, obviously, the midfielders back and forth right. will be running the most. But, like, if you're a forward, you're not really supposed to be running a ton. Like, it, outrunning somebody really doesn't, for me, um, yeah. outline the, just the, you know, effort. I mean, I understand it outlines effort and chasing the ball down, whatever. But, like, it doesn't yeah. really outline, like, oh, a good quality team or, or a team that's, you know, it's not what you're supposed to be doing. You're not supposed to right. be there. But as we'll talk about, I mean, listen, I think Pickford had a good game, as we mentioned. Mm-hmm. Not sure really anybody else did. I mean, um, Damari Gray, for what it was and for what he was coming off the bench or after coming off the bench, what last week and now starting this week was, um, you know, his typical attacking self. He provided a lot yeah. of, um, uh, you know, dangerous efforts, the few that we did have. Um, but, my personal opinion is if you're sitting there right now and you're saying that we as a team with the players that we have are better than a three goal deficit to Liverpool, I think you're being a little naive. I don't think, I don't think we are that good. And I think that's a problem that a lot of people are facing right now. We go into these games and we're, listen, the Brentford game, I understand you can, you can have your gripes with the Brentford game and finishing one another. Right. We played relatively solid in that match, and you know we gave up a penalty kick, which of course you know that was the only goal of the game, whatever. Yeah. But if you look at the, the players that we have available to us, the players that are fit, the players that we have backing up the players, and think that we are currently with the 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 health issues we have and whatnot, better than probably a ninth or tenth place team, I feel like. I feel like that's a little bit, considering how the other teams look, at least. You know, yeah. the Wolves of the world, the West Ham's of the world, the Tottenham's of the world, the Manchester, right. even Manchester United. Manchester United has the quality to absorb a couple bad losses. Right. Um, we, we don't have the depth, and that's... No. I, I don't... I'm not surprised by the result, is what I'm saying. I don't no. think that I, we should have been sitting here expecting anything less than maybe 3-1, 4-1, or yeah. maybe like 5-2 or something like that. That's... Yeah. <laughs> That would, be, that would mean us scoring another goal. But, that would, exactly. That's, that's um, a, it's a little skeptical about that. But. Yeah. So that's, I mean, 
It's just we're not uh, – let's, let's take a break. Let's take a break because we could talk about all of this stuff in the, next, <laughs> in the next segment. We are going to get into the club as a whole, the problems, everything that's going wrong. We're going to dive into it, give our opinions. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll get right into that. All right, we're back, and now we're going to dive into probably the segment everybody here who's listening is, 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 is probably waiting for. We're going to talk about the problems. Um, where to start? Where to start? Do you want to start with Rafa? Do you want to start with, with – <laughs> let's start here. What do you think – I guess this is the big question. What is your – what do you think is the problem? What, what would you say – yeah. How did we get here? Let's, that, that's the question I want to ask. How did we get here? <laughs> well, <laughs> so I, I think it's pretty clear right now. There is not just one thing that's wrong with it. Yes. It, 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 it's, it's where we are right now and the, the immediate future of the club is a culmination of the last five years of um, decision making, let's just call it that, right? So, whether and, and and you know, five years is a pretty good time to go back because that's pretty much spans the time that Farad Mashiri has um, kind of bought you know some part of the club and then now become the majority share owner of the club. Um, he seems to be very involved in the day to day running of the club, which is always a concern. I think no matter the sport. Um, I think more often than not, we see when we have the owner involved, um, it's that level of micromanagement. It, it's, it, it's, it's concerning because he has appointed people below him to do their jobs and somehow yet it feels like he is involved in everything. So whether it's appointing a new manager after every manager has left during the Mushiri era, why he continues to be involved in that process remains befuddling. Um, why a figurehead like the Everton club chairman, Bill Kenwright, is involved in any of the decision-making makes no sense. Again, he is a figurehead. He is uh, the yeah. president of, or the chairman of the club, but, yeah. and he's a board member. So that should be the extent of his influence. But why he is involved in... In, in whether it's signing off on player transfers or again also giving his blessing for a manager again this 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 happens only in clubs that are mismanaged and it's embarrassing to say but Everton are a mismanagement mismanaged club right now we are a club with serious dysfunctional issues top to bottom right yeah so when you look at things like um, uh, the, we, we've, you know, we've talked about the youth system, right? And how David Unsworth is completely unfit to be managing the under-23 side, yeah. right? That yeah. is also only happening because he is allowed to stay. In fact, he got promoted last year. He is now the director of the youth academy, period. So this, this continuing, this old boys network thing that Everton are doing, um, this is what's killing the club right now, right? The, the, the rot is very deep within the club. Um, yeah. Marcel Brands, right, is the director of football, right? Whether he is good at his job or not, no one will ever know because clearly he is not doing what 
a director of football is supposed to do because it seems like he is somewhat involved in things but then doesn't have the final say in a lot of things. The director of football is supposed to set the direction for football for the entire organization. And Marcel Brands is not doing that at everything. So pretty, that, that's pretty much every position of leadership within this organization that we have mentioned has, has issues, right? Yeah. The director of football for the women's team, who was also a member of the board, just left the club in disgrace after sexual abuse allegations. And I think that's going to be a court case, right? Again, unrelated to football, but still an Everton issue. There is, don't forget, a key player of this team that is still suspended because of some other allegations, let's just call it, and he hasn't played. And it's part of the issue why Everton have this creative deficit in the squad, right? But what have we done to address it? Nothing. Why not? We don't have the money to do it. So again, all of these problems are a culmination of past regimes, if you want to call it, right? I, I, think we, we are, I think at this point, we have appropriated enough blame on Everton's first director of football, Steve Walsh, right? But mm -hmm. we have not done anything to correct it either. So yeah. while fair, it might not be fair to blame brands for where we are right now, he definitely has had a part to play in it. Yes. Everyone has. Yeah. And so this is why I think at this point, with no wins in the last eight games, Everton have gone from, I think at one point we were fourth or fifth in the league. Yeah. We are now down to 15. Southampton has passed us today uh, as of Saturday midday now in, in, in the US. So yeah. at this point, the only way we can go, or at least the way we are going, is down. And, and this is a problem. We do not have the squad depth and we do not have the squad quality when our first 11 is disrupted for any reason to show that we are capable of making a run for the top half. Let's not even talk Europe anymore, right? So we, we've, we've, got, we've got a lot of problems. Um, Farad Mushiri, you know, instead of addressing the fans directly through the club website or any one of the social media channels, texts his buddy Jim White at TalkSport and says, here's a message for the fans. I got to say, WTF, like, come on. Like, are you, could you be more out of touch with what the fan, like, sentiment is right now, right? You know, the scenes we saw at the end of the Brentford game with the banner, right, where the fans are asking for Mil Saris Missy Optimum from the board. I think that is absolutely justified. Um, not a big fan of how some, some supporters really got mad and were heaping abuse on brands and Kenwright after the, after the derby. But you know what? This is the club's doing. They have let things get to this point. We hold up like the Aston Villa board as sort of the gold standard in communication, right? They do such a great job of talking to the fans, you know, getting fans' opinions, telling them, hey, this is how we want to run the club. This is what our goals are. This is how we're planning to get there. For Everton, there's none of that, right? The only one forum that was open to the fans in previous years where we could interact at that level with the board was the annual general meeting, which is usually in January. And Everton have announced again that the AGM is going to be virtual like last year. And last year's AGM was a fiasco because half the questions that fans submitted to be answered were completely ignored. In person, those were not getting ignored in the past. So 
again, where we are right now is a culmination of a lot of mismanagement. It's a lot of just, you know, people not asking hard questions of the board. And, and I think this is where we are right now. And again, I think speaking for a lot of um, fans who that I've interacted with, right? We're not asking for necessarily change, right? Firing the entire board, the chairman, everything, that's not going to fix this, right? Yeah. All we want is from this point on, we would like two things. We would like to see accountability and we'd like to see transparency, right? Mm -hmm. So when, when players like Alex Iwobi or Salomon Rondon continue to play, right? We need to see why are they continuing to get chances when players who are much more deserving from the youth system, I think, need to be on the pitch. And if those players from the youth system are not on the pitch, then we need to hear why not. Are they just simply not good enough? Fine, tell us, right? So just accountability, transparency. I, I, I think we need to see a little bit of this. Um, and, and Moshiri coming out and saying he's going to back Benitez in the January transfer window. What does that even mean, right? A, it's not like we're going to magically bring in players because, you know, the next excuse is going to be, oh, now Rafa needs time to bed those players in. So when, when it comes down to March and we are in the relegation zone, is that going to be the time we are going to be like, okay, now our guys are going to kick in. So there's, there's no easy answer here, but there's, I, I, I fear things are going to get worse before they get better. Yeah. Um, I think they are going to get worse before they get better. Um, it's going to start probably on Monday, but um, <laughs> my, and we'll talk about that, but my um, one word, and you said it, the word that comes to mind for me is plan. We do not have a plan. There's been no plan for, even when Brantz has come in, it's felt like there was no long-term plan. We thought at first, he did his first, his first season here, I think he bought a bunch of players under the age of 26, and we're like, yep. okay. And then all of a sudden, things flipped. And now we're, you know, it's been a lot of, oh, short-term fixes. This can work now. This can work now for the time being, which is fine Again, I guess if you have a, if you're one, your team has the depth to do that and your team has, you know, the quality to do that. And you are in a place where you're, you know, you're, you're okay. We're in the top seven. We're right there. We just need this one extra player as a short-term fix. Well, we find another player, whatever. Um, but there's been no plan. The, the managers that have been brought in have all been brought in with different ideas and different plans and from different generations mm -hmm. and different eras and this that and the other thing and it's felt like it was you know especially with you know uh, the last two obviously carlo and and when we brought in carlo listen carlo seemed like a, a great guy to have but let's not forget and and he did leave it's not like he was sacked right. but let's not forget how the last few months of the season went they weren't good either this team no. was not good the last few months of the season so no um let's not pretend like Carlo should be, you know, absent of the, you know, it's not like, it's not like he was a solid manager choice that ended up just leaving or what, you know, he, he had a great right. start to the season. We were in second at this place or at this time last season, but things went horribly yeah. wrong in the second half of the season. Yeah. Um, the money that's been spent has obviously been a problem. And again, no plan in the money that's being spent. It's 50 million pounds. And again, Steve Walsh and, and Ronald Koeman deserve a lot of the blame for that at the very beginning. But, yep. you know, Farhan Moshiri has consistently, oh, let's just throw 25 million pounds here, 60 million pounds, you know, whatever it may be. 
there, there's been no plan. There's no cohesive plan on how this club is supposed to be run from a football perspective from top to bottom. All the Everton and right. the community stuff is great. That's awesome. But exactly. it's been a disaster and there's been no plan. And listen, I said it on Twitter and, and I, I agree that, and, and you can go find the tweets. I agree that, that there is problems with Rafa and his, the way he's setting up. But it's hard for me to look at a guy who's been brought in with 1.7 million pounds to spend on the transfer window with yeah. a bunch of players, namely one who didn't even want to be there that got shipped out, who was arguably the best player of quality on the team, right. um, which, with a bunch of players that don't fit a system, that fit the systems of three, four, five managers before that, <laughs> and say, hey, yep. go fix this now and expect it to be that much better. You know, I understand. They're, listen, we do also forget that Rafa figured a way out how to make this team when healthy good enough to win those games against the lesser opponents and be quality against lesser opponents. Right. So I don't, I don't think he should be absent of blame because I think that the tactical decisions he's made have been poor. But if you were sitting here saying sack Rafa and that'll change everything, no. I think that is the, no. that's not going to change anything. And we've seen it yeah. time after time after time. We might get a new position where we have to sack Rafa. You know, and I think – my question to the fans who think we should sack Rafa would be, if Graham Potter was doing the same exact thing, would you sack him right now? And I think the answer would be no. I think, you yeah. know, we, we weren't sacking Carlo after his, you know, disaster of a second half of the season last year. We weren't right. saying, hey, we need to sack him. We were saying, hey, we need to give him more time. So now, and we've said yeah. that for multiple managers. So now on the fifth manager, because he has, you know, worked for Liverpool at one time or another, Right. We're going to say, oh, it's his fault now. There's not like we're on the fifth manager in like five years. There's a prop yep. that that's that's not a problem with the manager at that point. That's a problem <laughs> with the club and the people who are running it. And I think you what you said about Bill Kenwright's right. He is a figurehead, and I think one of the things, the David Unsworth thing, and there's about two players at the club right now who played for the club who are now coaches that should still be there, and their names are Duncan Ferguson and Leighton Baines. David Unsworth I feel like has gotten his <laughs> his extra few years because oh he's an Everton kid he's an Everton guy he did some good things back when he played there right. is nothing about what David Unsworth has done over the past however many years to develop youth that is I mean look at our team how many of the players that we have developed Anthony Gordon is the only player that you can name that has come through yeah. the system that has been good and has that has been good right exactly um I think part of the blame for, but I think part of the blame falls on Marcel Brands for not having a plan. But again, Farhad Moshiri has too much of, we don't know what Marcel Brands has the opportunity to do. And that's no. the biggest problem. We don't exactly. know what he can do and what he wants to do. So yeah. we think a lot of this is probably most likely a lot of Farhad Moshiri saying, oh, we need to get James Rodriguez because we need to expand here. And, you know, we need to get this player. We need to get Allen because, you know, Allen was actually probably a Carlo thing, but, we need to get Carlo because, the, you know, a lot of these decisions are probably Farhad Mosiri decisions. Yeah. Decisions. So at that point, what is Marcel Brands doing? And is that his fault? Not really. But why have a director of football if you're going to not let him do anything? Right. Exactly. So I just think my personal opinion is, is Rafa helping himself with some of the tactical things he's done? No. 
no, and I don't think he's absent of blame in the past few weeks. But um, again, as I said before, if you think that a Rafa tactical change, putting three in the midfield was going to stop us or, or having a sit back was going to stop us from losing to Liverpool, I think you're wrong. I, I don't yeah. think that there was a, I don't think that if you were thinking logically, we had an actual shot of beating Liverpool with the players that we were able to put on the pitch. Right. Um, injuries have obviously played into the way we've, we've performed and whatnot. But this is a serious problem with the club and with the club and how it's run. This is, you know, the players on the pitch, the manager obviously have so, share some of the blame, but this is some of the higher-ups who have been there for way too long. You know, yep. Bill Kenwright, the claim is that he loves the club. If he really loved the club, <laughs> he, he would have... Please been, leave. Yeah, he would have. <laughs> right. Um, so... <laughs> You know, and, and as you mentioned, the, the, the banner and, you know, I think we need to talk about the fan coming on the field and talking to Anthony, only Anthony Gordon, never mind Seamus Coleman taking 25 seconds to get over there and, and stop, you know, <laughs> listen, Anthony Gordon is there. Anthony Gordon has done this now for two straight games. And the reason yeah. why is because he's the only one that understands, you know, I, I, he's yeah. the only one that was born here. That was, you know, born in Evertonian was been through the system. And has, you know, he's yeah. the only one that really, you know, Seamus has been there, but um, Anthony Gordon, I it's feel not like the same. Has, passion yeah. for Liver- has passion for the city of Liverpool and the Everton fans in it. And yep. I think he's the only, and, and he, of all people, is the last person that should be taking any abuse or blame from the fans or, yeah. the, or, or other people, you know? So, um, you know, I, I think, you know, it's, it's, it shows from how the fans have reacted that this is a disaster. Um, and now we we've have got a, a problem. We, we've got a problem yeah. and we need to see yep. it fixed. And it need, there needs to be, there needs to be a plan. You know, there needs yeah. to be a, a set plan that we're going to follow that we need to see. And, and, and this is mm-hmm. the thing I said, um, I think in the chat, yes, you can point to teams like Brentford and, you know, um, Brighton who have, you know, been able to hold Liverpool to a tie or whatever it may be, or beat them or yep. whatever. Those teams have been together and have had a plan for a while. Their manager has right. been for a while. They have players who are cohesively together that are brought into exactly. play the positions that they're playing and play in the <laughs> system that they're playing. So it's a lot easier to do that than bringing in a bunch of players that fit the name of the position as center midfielder or right winger, or sometimes not even that was Ben Godfrey's played right back and left back more times than I think he's played center <laughs> Everything. back. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it's a lot easier to do that when your team is cohesive, a cohesive unit that is understands the system and is playing in the system and, and yeah. has been together. So um, we now know that on Monday um, and Royal Blue Mersey and obviously school science radio and inside of that is, is supporting this as well that at, on 27 minutes there will be a walkout uh, for the 27 years of um, trophy drought. Futility. Let's just call futility. it futility. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, let me bring up, I have to bring up the tweet to read out exactly what's been going around. I know um, a yeah. lot of the big, big accounts have been around tweeting this. Um, yep. Where is it? And wow. so basically, the, yeah, the text says it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's 27 years without a trophy. That's unacceptable. And the fans who will be attending the game, we are asking that, you know, they show with their feet that on 27 minutes, you know, that, that we're going to stage a walkout, right? And, and 
this incompetence, right? This incompetence, this lack of transparency, this lack of accountability uh, from the top down cannot continue, right? And yeah. again, we can, we can yell all we want on social media and clearly we have for a while. It's not going to yeah. make a difference, right? Um, we need to do something because this is exactly how a football team collapses, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, we, we cannot continue this way. Um, in response to the folks who say, don't you think the leadership knows the club is struggling? Well, what are they doing about it? Right? I, I, as a supporter myself, if Farhad Mushiri just came out and said, I understand your concerns, right? The club is struggling right now. We need to be better at what we do. If he just said that, I would feel better, right? It, it, it's a moral thing, if you will, but yeah. it shows that someone cares. Right now, Farhad Mashiri and Rafa Benitez both taking the same line that once Calvert-Lewin comes back, everything will be okay? Really? Like, what part of this team's this discord that goes on starting from the defense and what part of the number of defensive errors we make every game is Calvert-Lewin going to make better? Right? So, we, we've got a number of issues. Injuries are one of them. Um, I was glad to see at some level that Rafa was being proactive about that, right? Uh, by bringing in his own man, right, from Newcastle as, as yeah. the new sort of head physio. Right, at least he's doing something. That's great. Do something. Show us what you're doing. Show us you're trying to fix this. But just falling back on that injuries excuse, you know what? I think the evidence is going to speak for itself, right? So yeah. Dom should be back in the next few games, right? And if Everton magically starts playing better, right, like we did at the beginning of the season, and somehow at the end of the season, we're actually in the top half, I will come on this show and put my hand up and say, I was wrong. You know what, Farhad, you the man, you know what you're doing, you do you, okay? I would love for that to happen. Because at the end of the day, I think you, Gino, me, and every one of our listeners, and every one of our readers, and every blue out there wants the club to succeed. No one's here to score points yeah. or to try to be right. We yeah. just want to see our club succeed, right? So I think that's it. And, and that, that's what this protest is all about, right? We yeah. want two things. We want accountability. We want transparency. And, and, and the only way we're going to show it is unfortunately by having to stage a walkout, which is a shame because we're playing at Goodison, right? Goodison on weekday nights tends to be a bear pit. I think the players are going to need that environment playing against a pretty good Arsenal team that, don't forget, not so long ago, we're bottom of the table, yeah. right? So, <laughs> just, it, it, it's, it's unfortunate we have to do this, but if we don't do this and the club goes down, we're going to be permanently guilty of letting this happen on our watch. And I think yeah. that would be the worst. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, if we, yeah, we need to do something because the action of the board and, and the people that are in charge, is, is there is none. Um, and I, I think... You know, we need to look, let's look at a team that I think compares to us pretty well in how things have gone. And they had their, their own problems in West Ham, right? We look at David mm -hmm. Moyes and him leaving Everton and obviously having the troubles in Man United and then going to West Ham. He did have a couple stints at the club. His first stint ended where West Ham finished in 13th place. That He, was, he left the club then. Um, that was 2018 that he left the club. 
That was the 2017-2018 season. He was not there for the 2018-19 season that they finished in 10th. For the 2019-2020 season, which he took over midway through, they finished in 16th place. Mm -hmm. Since then, they have been – it's finished in 6th place, and now after their win today are currently in 4th place and have looked like one of the better squads. Absolutely. Let's not – listen, I mean, love David Moyes, but I can't imagine his tactics have truly evolved too much. I think the players have – have definitely helped. I think that, that him being able to put players in place have definitely, you know, yep. allowed him to get to the point that he's at. But again, it's, it's, it's allowing, it's allowing the, the director of football, it's allowing a plan to take place. West Ham clearly right. had a plan. They have yep. a plan. They had a plan. Moyes left for a year or whatever. They still figured out a plan and still managed to get the way up. And they're not bringing in world beaters. They signed Jesse Lingard on loan last year. Thomas right. Suchek, you hadn't heard of before since. Nope. And Agbana, their center back, who's been pretty solid, you hadn't really heard nope. of. Zuma's really the first player that they bring uh, in of like true quality. Antonio has been unbelievable has been the past couple of years. Yep. Um, ben Rama has been good. Fornals has been good. Uh, yep. Jared Bowen. I mean, these players are players that aren't, they're not the Jaden Sancho's of the world. They're not spending exactly. 50, 60 million pounds on these players every mm-hmm. single summer. They went out, they had a plan. They knew exactly where they wanted to buy from. They knew exactly what they wanted to do yeah. and they executed it. And they're currently in fourth place and they don't like, there's been times where Everton have been in fourth or second place and they look like there might be like, they're the bubble's going to burst. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. West Ham just looks solid. They look they like do. a solid yeah. club from, from, from top to bottom right now. And that's a, a club that, that I, I think a lot of Everton fans, and I saw this on Twitter, would love to be run like right now. So yeah. it's, there's, it's just there's so many problems. And I think the one thing that needs to be said here and has been said on Twitter multiple times, and hopefully if you guys are listening to this podcast – I know we probably have a lot of U.S. listeners for the most part, but if you are a, a British listener or a listener that is going to the game on Monday, the biggest thing is that no matter what you are doing, whether you are sitting in your seat for at that 27th minute or you are going to you know, sit outside for, you know, sit in the bathroom for right. 20 minutes Leave. until you want to come back, yeah. whatever is happening needs to be unified. You cannot be upset with fans that are leaving you cannot be upset with fans that are sitting there needs to be a unified action and I think the big thing that has come out of this a lot of the big Everton fan accounts are supporting this a lot of the big Everton fan accounts are trying to get this out there this has seemed like a more unified thing than we have had in a very long time and I think I hope that that will show on Monday um I know if I was there, I probably would be with them walking out because I agree that it's the right thing to do to show them um, that that's, you know, you know, that's what needs to be done. I think a lot of people may think, oh, well, why don't you just not go to the game? Well, people pay for these season tickets beforehand. They, you know, this money is already (laughs) in the club at this point. So, um, you know, it's not going to make so much of a difference. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, um, you know, it needs to be unified. That's the big thing for me. It needs to be unified and we need to be together as one as fans because we are, you know, I think we all, like you said, we all share the same interest. We all want the club to do right. well. And we all want what's best for the club. And I think that if you are one of those people who's thinking that there's nothing wrong with the club and this is what's, you know, 
there's you're you're not you know thinking straight. Um, I, I think, You're welcome to your opinion, but yes, we will yes. disagree. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, I think there's clearly a problem with the club. I think there's yeah. clearly a problem with the club, and and it needs to be figured out. Um, you know, so um, I applaud the fans that are doing it. I applaud the fans that are putting this together. Um, it's a good. It's a good idea, um, and it's unfortunate. You just hope that like you said, the, the players feed off of the, the energy that is Goodison Park. And you hope that it's the players. While the players haven't been playing well, there are players yes. like Anthony Gordon that have been giving their all. Seamus Coleman, while he has had his mistakes, and, and, and this is something that you can say, he has given his all for the club in the years that he's been sure. here. And he is Absolutely. just past his time. You know, it's, he's past his yeah. time. And that happens to everybody. And that's not his fault. It's the fault of the no. board for not, like we said, not bringing anybody in. So... Um, there are players out there who care about the club, who love the club, and who want the club to succeed. And it kind of sucks that this has to be on them too, and and it will directly affect them more than yeah. anybody else probably. Um, but hopefully, it shows a sign um, that the something needs to change. And hopefully, if it doesn't work, you know, hopefully this isn't the only one. Hopefully, this isn't no. the only protest. Obviously, they should stay peaceful. There should be no violence. There should be nothing like that. No. But hopefully this isn't the only protest because I don't think one protest is going to get it done, honestly. I think there's <laughs> going to need to be some, you know, a 27th-minute walkout. There's going to be need to be banners put up. There's going to need to be a very national sort of, I guess, you need to get to it. You need to get to them somehow. And I, I, for some reason, my personal opinion, I feel like just walking out is not going to be enough, unfortunately. So, you know, hopefully um, – you know, hopefully it is. Who knows? I, I don't know. Hopefully it is. Hopefully this is the only protest because, you know, I, I think the club takes some, some measures here. But, um, yeah, yeah no, I hear you. I, I doubt. I just don't know. I'm not, see, yeah, I'm not saying that, yeah. listen, protests are great and we should be doing that all the time and whatever. But I, I just think that, unfortunately, this group of people seems to be very stubborn and very, you know, just yeah. not, you know, <laughs> so I, it's for me. The what they've given off gives me the idea that they're going to go out there and be like, oh, whatever. Like, they don't know what I'm doing out here. <laughs> and so, you know, I feel like that's going to be what the board is going to think. I don't know. I mean, listen, I, I just want the club to be better. And, and I want, you know, hopefully this, this peaceful protest works on, on Saturday that, or on Monday, excuse me. That would be the greatest thing in the world. Will it work? I don't, I don't know, but I think it's a good start and a good, good sign of what, we think needs to be done or what we, how we feel about the club. So changed. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anything else you want to touch on, on this topic? Oh, uh, no, that, that pretty much covers it. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. There's not much else, not much else, but good luck to the fans on Monday to those who are going. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be, unfortunately for the players, a toxic atmosphere. Um, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of things, you know, that are, you know, I don't know. It's going to be, it's going to be crazy, but, and we will be watching yeah. from the States and, you know, supporting, you know, all the peacefulness again, no violence. No, let's not start throwing things on the field. I, again, they, we talked about the guy running on the field. Really? That's not going to do anything. That's only going to hurt. Right. You. Exactly. It's going to hurt the players. So that stuff, the violence, the anger, that stuff, um, you know, the anger towards each other, that stuff is not what we should be doing right now. The peaceful no. protest, the organization that we, the organization of this protest that we have, that is 
something that should be going on. So as hard as it is to do, and as I'm sure it's hard, as hard as it is to do for those who are going to the game, spending money at the club to be there um, and see, see things like this. um, Remember that fighting against each other is not going to help any of us. It's not going to help the club. It's not going to help you. It's only going to get, probably get you in trouble and the club's not going to care. So uh, (laughs) yeah, exactly. uh, It's, you know, we need to band together, unify and, you know, just, do what's right and try to, you know, hopefully focus on the game and, um, you know, focus on, you know, getting this club to change after what has been the last 27 years of, of, of what it's been. So let's take another quick break. And after this, we will come back with the Arsenal preview. All right, we're back and we're talking Arsenal Everton taking on the Gunners. Um, tomorrow or excuse me monday with today we're recording on saturday uh december 4th it's gonna happen monday december 6th at 3 p.m our time 8 p.m i believe over there in england uh it is at goodison um just some background on this fixture everton won both premier league games against arsenal last season they've won three in a row against the gunners in league they haven't won three in a row in against the gunners in league competition since April of 1986. Arsenal is without a win in their last three Premier League away games against Everton. They've drawn one and lost two. Last uh, having a longer winless league run at Goodison Park between 1989 and 1994. So uh, six games it was in between that stretch they were winless at Goodison. Arsenal have scored 111 Premier League goals against Everton, more than they have against any other side in the competition. Um, and um, only Manchester United have scored more against a single opponent. That's against Newcastle. Everton lost their first Monday Premier League match this season to one at Wolves. They've not lost consecutive Monday games in a competition since April 2006, January 2007, when they lost to Chelsea and Man City on Monday games. Um, and then Arsenal have lost two of their last three games in the Premier League, um, conceding seven goals in the process. Prior to this, the Gunners have gone unbeaten in their previous eight matches. They were 6 uh, six wins, two draws from those eight matches, and conceded only four times. So, um, our Arsenal obviously a benefit of their schedule uh, in the in I guess the middle part where they were on that eight game stretch. They had a a pretty friendly yeah. schedule. Now starting to play a little bit more of a tougher competition. Um, obviously, the beginning of their season, as you mentioned earlier, Arsenal had a really tough run. Um, I yeah. think they lost they lost to Brentford on the first game of the season two nothing, and I think they were winless through their first four. Um, but have turned it around since then. Now they find themselves in fifth place, I believe, uh, in the table. Yeah. Um, on uh, Fifth place on 23 points. That's eight points above us. Um, how do you expect us to line up against Arsenal? So, I, I, I guess if Rafa wants to persist with his 4-4-2, then this is the game to do it because we're playing a team that has very consistently been playing uh, four four one one or or you know four four two ish if you will um, for the last few games now no matter the opponent right Arsenal have set up the same way against United against Ars- against uh, Liverpool against Newcastle so I I think Arteta is gonna stick to the formation he has which is basically two banks of four you've got two attacking uh, wide midfielders again not very dissimilar to us. Um, and then you have sort of Martin Odegaard doing a number 10 bit in front of the two central midfielders. And then they have Obama Young uh, up top, right? So 
again, a team that sets up very, very similar to the way we play, right? Um, yeah. And so again, if Rafa's gonna persist with his four four two four four one one, this is probably a good game to have. It. Yeah, I, I I would agree. Um, excuse me. Um, I I would agree on that. I think if if that's what he wants to do, I think that's the best best plan. Uh, is I, I'm pretty sure Partey was out for them. I don't know if he's still out. I'm pretty sure he was at one point or another. Um, during this season, he's obviously I think a big. He played against. Uh, he didn't play against United. Oh, he played against United. So yeah, Partey is back. Okay, so that's um, obviously a big, big piece for them in that midfield. But um, uh, yeah, Aubameyang is is uh, is probably going to be uh, one of your your big threats. Emil Smith Rowe has been playing really well lately as well. Yes. Um, I would say four four two probably again. I don't really love their center backs, Gabriel and Ben White. Um, I think they've been serviceable and they've done a good job. I think Damari Gray might have actually a, a pretty solid, uh, if he does play, and, and, and is, I'm sure he's good to play. I don't think he's injured or anything. But um, if he does play um, on that wing, I think he'll have a nice battle out there. I think he'll, he can take yeah. advantage of that on the left wing. Um, so, I, you know, I, I, I would like to see, I think 4-4-2 here is obviously a little bit more of a, um, logical, <laughs> you know, logical yeah. plan for for Everton. Um, but you wouldn't blame them for going three at the midfield if that was where he he decided to go. I mean, it's either tied or <laughs> as long as they're not right. one man in the midfield, that's <laughs> that's good. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, I think that's I think four four two is correct. What challenges do Arsenal present um, on the attack, and 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 yeah. where can they they hurt us? So uh, Arsenal, and I, I think you call you call the ML Smith throw out, right? I, I think yeah. where Arsenal are dangerous is pretty much where Everton are dangerous, right? So they've got ML Smith Rowe and Bukayo Saka, right? I think they're two very, very exciting, very fast, very talented wide midfielders who have the capability to beat the last man, get dangerous crosses in. Um, they're both capable of scoring themselves, so you've got to watch out for them as late runners. Again, all of those things can be said about Dumari Gray as well, right? So that, that's exactly what they're going to be saying about us too. Yes. Um, so they're, they're, they're not very different from us, right? Uh, when you look at their midfielders, they've got Partey, they've got uh, Sambi Lokonga, who seems to be a bit of a fine for them. I think he's, he's played pretty well whenever he has played. Um, so again, a very, very similar team for us. To, to us, I think where they might have the edge is in a player like Odegaard, right? Odegaard yeah. is more of a traditional number 10 kind of player, which Everton don't have. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so then, you know, this is where if, if Rafa wants to throw three in the midfield, then is a good game to give Delph the start and have Delph sort of the man that covers Odegaard, if you will, right? which then frees the two centre-backs to focus on Aubameyang versus both Godfrey and Keane running around after Aubameyang, leaving Odegaard free or creating overloads where Emil Smith-Rowe or Saka yeah. um, can, can take advantage of us, right? But I think this all stems from, first of all, who will be fit for Everton? Because we heard Mina has started training again this week, right? So if Mina can play, right? And if Rafa is finally capable of sitting Rondon down because he's injured or whatever it is, then I, I would be okay with a 4-4-2 formation 
with both Gray and Richarlison up top, right? Uh -huh. And let Gray play the Odegaard role, right? And let, let's, let's give Mikel Arteta the same worries that his side's giving us, right? So if yeah. we have Gray and Richarlison up top, we have Gordon and Townsend on the wings, and then Alan and Okere, I, I think we can cause them a lot of trouble. And if Rafa is concerned about maybe giving Gordon the start, then fine, go with the sort of 4-5-1-ish formation and keep Gray and Townsend as the wide men and let Delph sort of be the anchor be between Alan and Dokore and then let Richarlison stay up top. I would say I, I like Richarlison's chances against the, the, the center back, Arsenal centre-backs. Uh, I don't think he'll get swallowed up whole like he did, um, like Rondon did playing against Brentford, right? Where they had a three-man backline and we went with sort of one forward. So yeah. uh, I don't think that's going to happen. So uh, again, I, I think it's, it all depends on whether, whether Rafa feels he wants to give the Delft the shot or not. Yeah. Yeah, I... I um... It would be interesting to see DeMar Gray up top. I think he played up top in a preseason game. I don't know if he's played up top in the, in the Premier League, but I think he played up top in a preseason game. And, and granted, we didn't play too great of preseason uh, opposition, but he did look good in, in, in the, you know, the 90 minutes, I think it was. At, I think it was in the Orlando yeah. match that he played up top. So he did look good in that. Um, so that's, you know, something to certainly w watch out for. Um, you know, Aubameyang's going to give you trouble on probably – like free kicks and corners and set pieces, which will be a problem set as pieces. it always is. Yeah, always. Um, you mentioned yep. the late runners, the late runners, um, Emil Smith Rowe is, and, and Odegaard really um, are, are two that I wouldn't be surprised to be in that position that Henderson was in the other day um, yeah, or, exactly. or Partey. Partey can shoot the ball as well, I think. So, yep. um, so those are some players to watch out for there. Gabriel and White, I don't think, I don't think either of them are very good in the air, so they shouldn't be, I mean, I've been white on my fantasy Premier League team and he hasn't scored a goal <laughs> yesterday this season. So, um, you know, I'm not sure they're that dangerous in attack, whereas, you know, maybe a Rudiger type or, a, you know, some player like that is, is great in the air. I don't think they're as good in the air. Like I mentioned, right. I think we need to attack down that, um, down our left side, their right side of the defense. Um, yeah. I don't know what the lineup's going to look like. Uh, you know, there are a couple big players on the bench for them in this match against Man United. Uh, you know, Saka and, and Lacazette were both on the bench. Pepe was on the bench. But if they do go with the same lineup with Martinelli on the right side and Tamiyasu, I think that's a, an area for us to attack if Gray's down that side or if Gordon's down that side, if, if that's what yeah. they choose to go with. Gray, right. Um, so, um, you know, I think that's, you know, I think that Everton's front line, but again, I don't think Everton's front line has been terribly the issue in terms of obviously Rondon, but. Richarlison right. has been as solid for the service he's gotten. Gray has been very right. good. Townsend's been good. Gordon's been good when he's come on and played. So those players I'm not too worried about. Of course, it's the midfield and the defense. Um, so we'll, we'll see how it plays out um, there. Um, I guess that pretty much covers everything we need to preview with Arsenal. Um, what are you expecting prediction-wise with this? <laughs> It, it's hard to tell, right? I, I, I think if all was well with the club, I would, I, I would feel pretty good going into this game. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, uh, usually, Goodison Park is good, again, for a night game, right? I, I think the fans always make themselves heard. Um, this, this game, with all the protests and everything that's been going on in the background, it, it, it's a difficult one to call, right? Um, I... I, I want to say I think we will see a response from the players. 
Um, I, I, you know, they're, they're not immune to all of this that's going on around them, right? If anything, sometimes this ends up being a distraction, right? Um, you know, the players have social media, the players have eyes, the players read the papers, even if they pretend they don't, or, you know, they watch the TV and they, 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 they can see that they're, they're, they're under fire, right? So I, I worry that there's not enough leadership in that dressing room, right? So for all the veteran players like the Coleman's, right? Is there really a player that can, not just a player, a number of players, that can really unify that squad? You know, that, that, that looks around as they're all training at Finch Farm and going, hey, guys, we're better than this, right? Like, what do we need to do, right? How? Is there someone who can really pump up these players, right? And I, I don't know. I don't see Rafa being that kind of manager, right? Carlo, you know, with his sort of demeanor of, you know, your, your jolly uncle. And he, he, he you know, he, he did this, right? He, he's, he's always been known as a player's coach, right? They, they've loved him for that purpose. Um, Rafa, on the other hand, I think from day one, what we have heard from him or from the players is that he's always pushing the players to be better, right? So even when Gray has a great game, the first thing Rafa comes up to him and says is, hey, that chance you missed, I really, you know, you could have done this, right? Things like that. So, so I, I don't know. Is Rafa actually capable of giving a motivational speech? Clearly, in a previous life, when Liverpool were down 3-0 at halftime in a Champions League final, he did. Right, he he got his side galvanized, and they came out and won that game. Is is Rafa like? Does he even give a rat's behind anymore? I I, I don't know. Right, I, his demeanor doesn't tell us anything. Yeah. Um, he re- continues to repeat the same platitudes, which I guess to some level all managers do, right, to the press. So I don't know. I want to see a response. I want to see out. I want to see the players come out of that tunnel. You know when when Zed Cars is playing, and I want to see the players come out with fire, right? They they come out. I don't care a couple of snappy challenges to start the game. Just get the crowd going, get the crowd back on their side. Because as much as the fans don't want to boo the players, but if they put in like a, a limp, weak performance again, this is just going to get worse. This is this is going to be awful. So. I really want to see some sort of response from players. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I feel like it might be in uh, a not great first half. I don't know. I feel like it might not be a great first half. These players, while you know, they might want to bring a response, there will be in the back of their minds, oh, 27 minutes. 27 minutes is when all these players are leaving. Yeah. 27 minutes or when all these fans are leaving. So that might play in the back of their minds. I think it's going to be a bumpy first half, but I think what will happen will probably be fans will sit, maybe sit out for the half or whatnot, and then come back in the second half and try and support the club. And that will give them a boost. And if they did play decently well in the first half, I could see them coming out and being better in the second half. But again, it's hard for me to predict a win (laughs) um, in this. So I'm going to say it's two, one Arsenal. Um, Did you, I'm sorry. Did you give a prediction? (laughs) <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. I, uh, I, I, I want to say, I think if we score first, we win. So uh, let me put it this way. Whoever yeah. scores first wins this game, right? 
because yeah. if Arsenal score first, it's it's just gonna go downhill from there. Yeah, if um, they score if, first early in the first half, it's going to be. Oh a disaster. my god! Right before that twenty seventh minute, oh my yeah, god! It's gonna be it a disaster. Be the absolute worst. Yeah, absolutely. It, it'll probably end up in one of those lopsided scores which we have ex- we have specialized in against Arsenal in the past. So let's yeah. just pray that doesn't happen. But I, I find it hard for us to get a win on this one. Um, I, I'm going to play safe. I'm going to say a 1-1. I, I, I say we see a response here. I say the players give it their all. I, I say we see the Everton that played like the last 15 minutes of that uh, first half against Liverpool. 1-1. Yeah. All right. There you have it. I got 2-1. Calvin's got 1-1. Uh, that about wraps it up for us. Calvin, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Gino. All right. To you guys out there. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for, for, you know, um, subscribing, downloading, whatever you guys are doing. Uh, make sure you just keep getting the episode each and every week. Um, to the fans that will be there again, we support you. Um, but again, unified, that's the word unification. Let's make this unified, leave peacefully, come back peacefully, whatever you choose to do or don't choose to do. Don't get mad at others. This is (laughs) us together you know this is us as fans together trying to make a statement and let's keep it at that let's not make it about anything else um and keep it peaceful keep it keep it us together and hopefully that enacts change it's been a difficult time a difficult period for Everton and it does seem like it's getting worse and worse and worse but hopefully this is the start of something new the start of something better um yeah and um we'll we'll see how it we'll see how it plays out but again thank you guys for listening and and thank you guys for everything you do. Thank you for, for being here each and every week and we'll talk to you guys next time.